Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so you can experience God. We pray that this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and helps you to take one step closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. What is up, risers? Yes. Everybody is like, like, here's the normal world, and here's Arise. They're like leaned in, ready to roll, ready to receive from God. You ready to experience the Lord in his word today? Yeah. Oh my goodness, if you're like, who is this guy? My name is Pete, so glad to be here. It is my incredible joy and honor to be your Arise South Shore location pastor. Amen. Not just, not just here in Brandon, but in South Shore, Rise India, God is on the move and we get to be a part of it. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh man, it's so exciting. Just before we jump into the Word, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5 today. So if you have a copy of God's Word today, you can go to Mark chapter 5 in your paper Bible and put a finger there, or you can use your other finger and scroll digitally and go to Mark chapter five if that works for you as well. Gonna be an amazing story, but I wanna celebrate something really quick. Tonight, friends, tonight is fire night here at Arise. And I love the fact that here at Arise, we don't treat the Holy Spirit uh, like some weird uncle at the family reunion, okay? Like, there, unfortunately, a lot of faith traditions, it's like the father, the son, and what's his name? But not here at Arise. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here, it's the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I hope you come prayed up and ready to receive and seek and, and just receive all that God has for you by his spirit tonight at Fire Night. You with me? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. I see you there. We now have a verbal commitment. We have a verbal commitment, so we'll see you there. Well, Mark chapter 5, this is an incredible story, but um, as I pause and reflect on this, we've been talking about this series, Ghostbusters, and I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Yes. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Hey, listen, here's a ghost you don't have to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, you think of ghosts, you think of Casper. Anybody remember Casper, the friendly ghost? I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost is infinitely friendlier, and he is here this morning. And so we're going to experience God through his word and receive from the Holy Spirit that which is Jesus's, and it's going to become known to us today. And there's some people in the house, I mean, brace yourself. You're about to experience freedom like you've never experienced before. I just believe it. I've been praying for that and believe that all this week, praying for you to experience God. A few weeks ago, Pastor Brent set up this message, and I love the way that he did it. I love the way that he did it. He said, there's a recognition that demons exist, right? There's an old phrase that says the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing people that he didn't exist. And there's a lot of people who also believe that. They believe, oh, well, evil doesn't exist. The devil doesn't exist. And listen, we recognize that the devil and demons do exist. We don't get fixated on them. You know, we're not going to be overly, like, looking for them everywhere, But by the same token, we also have authority over them in the name of Jesus because we've received the authority of Jesus to do his work, to partner with Jesus in the Great Commission to see this world radically changed by the power of God and for the glory of God. Now, there are people, and honestly, they they just see demons everywhere. I'm going to show you a news clip here, and this is from NBC News in 1984. It was a great year. It was the year I was born. And so in 1984, NBC on the Today Show, they carried uh, this story of someone who sees demons everywhere. And so I just thought I would bring that here this morning. Now, I got to admit, it's a little awkward to watch, but it's hilarious too. It's easily one of my favorite videos on the internet. I'm so thankful for the internet because we have access to this kind of thing. So just check this out for a moment, and we'll talk about it. Right here where it says put one slice we heard, I am the devil. Yeah, what kind of voice did the devil have? 
Um, a, a very low voice, I'd say, sounded like Eli Wallach. Have you saved any of this satanic toast? Yes, I did save it because I wanted to be sure that somebody else would see it. Now this one, can you see that, Richard? <laughs> Satan lives. Uh, just terrible. Is the toaster still possessed? I, I, we're st we still have trouble off and on with it, yes. Oh, see, now it's... I just hold it down. It seems to be aware, I... Oh! Oh! Why have you kept this toaster? Well, Richard, you know, when all is said and done, it makes good toast. For today, Boyd Matson, NBC News, Boca Raton, Florida. That was a real news story in 1984. Now look, okay, listen, I don't know if Satan's looking to possess your small appliances around your house, but can I just tell you as your pastor and out of love, if Satan starts possessing your toaster, throw it away. Throw it away. Did you hear? She's like, well, at the end of the day, it makes good toast. No, throw it away. Listen, if it matters that much, I'll give you the $11.24 to go buy a new toaster. <laughs> throw it away. Let it go. Let it go. <coughs> but the reality is this. As we go through our day-to-day -day life as followers of Jesus, recognizing the authority of Jesus that's on us, knowing that evil exists, we're going to encounter demons. Yeah. It's going to happen. In fact, if Jesus encountered demons on a day-to-day -day basis in his ministry, who are we to think that we won't? Right. Well, let me put it to you this way. This one's, a little bit, this one's a little bit punchy, so just forgive me for this. But if you're not often coming head-to-head -head and you're not head-butting the devil, the reality is you may be walking alongside of him. And so when you're in the kingdom of God and doing the work of God, listen, these things are just going to happen at some point. Now, again, we don't get fixated on it, and certainly we don't get afraid of this. Because we live with a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And not only is he in the world, he's in us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at God's word this morning, I want you to, to just, if you forget everything, Okay, if like, everything washes away, okay, the toaster video, you probably won't soon forget. But like, if you forget everything else today, the big idea is this, is that Jesus changes everything, and he uses us. Jesus changes everything, and he uses us. Everywhere that Jesus went, he absolutely changed the environment of the location that he was in. Anytime G Jesus stepped into a room, there was amazing things that happened. Anytime Jesus walked down a road, amazing things that would take place. Anytime Jesus, like we're about to see, gets out of a boat, amazing things happen. And so Jesus changes everything, and he's still changing things today, and he uses us. Amen. I mean, goodness, how, let that just sink in for a moment, the humility that God, the God, the creator of the universe... Who, who stepped out of heaven, who wrapped on flesh, who dwelled among us, who went to the cross, who died, who rose again, who ascended to be with the Father, who gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit of glory to come, uses us in his greatest mission, which is restoring and redeeming mankind back to God and away from sin. God uses us. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. And now in that and knowing that, we're going to look at the story in Mark chapter 5, where Jesus is going to do just 
an absolutely amazing thing. I mean, this story, I love this. It blows my mind. Now, to just kind of set this up for you, because just a few hours before this moment, Jesus is with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is on a little bit of like a ministry tour where he's going from place to place and doing miracles and, and, and walking into all kinds of situations and he's healing people all around the Sea of Galilee. Now, it's late at night and in the middle of the night, you remember this story, there's a storm that comes upon the sea and it's so big and it's so scary that the disciples think they're going to die. They're gonna drown. And so they call out to Jesus who's sleeping in the back of the boat. Listen, Jesus is in your boat. And so they call out to Jesus and they say, Jesus, have mercy, save us. Don't you care that we're gonna die? We're gonna drown? And what does Jesus do? Jesus, after doing ministry all day, after feeling the exhaustion of living in the flesh and pouring out in ministry, he kind of, you just imagine this, he kind of wakes up from his sleep, he rubs his eyes a little bit, he looks at the storm and he says, okay, calm down, be still. And with those few words, he completely silences the storm and the Sea of Galilee becomes like glass. And what happens in that moment is a realization among the disciples, a realization that happens in each and every one of us today. They begin to ask themselves, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this guy? The wind, everywhere that Jesus went, people were left dumbfounded and stymied and just in awe of the fact that Jesus was there and did something that was completely unseen anywhere else. Who is this man? Let me, let me just speak to the, to the Christian in the house. You've been serving Jesus for longer than I've been alive. You've been serving Jesus longer than that toaster video, right? And you've been walking with Jesus. But listen, if you haven't been in awe of the power of God in a long time and just stood back and looked at what Jesus is doing, hear it arise and go, wow, who is this man? Who is this Jesus? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even sickness, disease, and death obey him. And he's in the house today. Have you just stopped and stood in awe of the power of God for a while? I hope so. I hope so. And so after that episode on the Sea of Galilee, they think, oh, I can't get any better than this. This is it. This is the pinnacle. Wow, we have seen Jesus speak to nature itself and calm it down. It truly can't get any better than this. And then it does. And in Mark chapter five, starting in verse one, this is where we pick up the story because now Jesus shows up on, the, on a really dramatic scene here in the text. And I just, I love this story. So here we go. They arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And we're gonna pick it up in verse two. And Jesus climbed out of the boat and a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains and smashed the shackles. He snapped them and smashed them. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. And when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus in his day-to-day activity of ministry is coming across the Sea of Galilee in a boat and he steps out of the boat. And when he steps out of the boat, he encounters an unclean man in an unclean place with an unclean spirit. Let me just encourage you as followers of Jesus who carry the presence of God with you everywhere you go, there's gonna be times where in the day-to-day activity of your life, much like Jesus, you're just getting out of a boat. You're just going to school. 
You're just hanging out with your family. You're just hanging out with your friends. You're just sitting around the dinner table. You're just, you're just punching in and punching out another day at work. But now that you are carrying the presence of God with you, there are going to be times in your day to day where the Lord is going to want to use you to bring life and freedom to the situation that you find yourself in, and you get to be used by Jesus. Why? Because Jesus changes everything, and he uses us. That's right. And Jesus showed up. Come on, aren't you just thankful that in your life where you were, Jesus showed up? That's right. It may not have been as dramatic as this. Oh, you may have a story that's, uh, that's as incredible as this, where you were living in darkness and, and demon possession and sin and strongholds that we may never know anything about. But aren't you thankful that no matter where you were, Jesus showed up in your life? Aren't you glad that on that day, whatever day that might be that circled on your calendar of where Jesus met you and you met Jesus, that Jesus showed up, that Jesus showed up in that situation, even if you're a good person. Uh, let's talk to the good person in the room. You say, oh man, I, I'm, a, I'm a good person. I'm so glad I met Jesus. Listen, you cannot be good enough. You can't help enough old ladies across the street. You can't sell enough candy bars for your school. You can't donate enough blood. It is only the blood of Jesus showed up and applied to your life and your situation that you and I have any hope at all. Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in this situation. And so Jesus now getting out of the boat, unclean man, unclean spirit, unclean place. Jesus could have reacted in the flesh as so many people have and said, unclean man, unclean spirit, unclean place, I'm out. I'm not sticking around here. I, I, I don't want that to get on me, so I'm gonna run away. Aren't you so glad that when the world runs away, Jesus runs too? Yeah. And that Jesus wasn't so worried about getting the stain of what was happening in his life on him. Jesus showed up with life and gave him life to the fullest. And so Jesus shows up. There's been times and moments in my day-to-day -day life where I have encountered, where I didn't realize I would, the presence of evil. About 10 years ago, a buddy of mine, he's a missionary in Kansas, and he was a, a missionary stationed at uh, a university that predominantly uh, was designed for Native American students, and so they would come from all over the nation, from all their different tribes and backgrounds to this school. And so he just said, hey man, you want a prayer walk with me someday? We'll get some barbecue, we'll walk the campus, we'll pray. And I said, well, shh, you had me at barbecue. <laughs> I'm there, bro, I'm there. So we ate some good barbecue, we drove over to the campus, and we're just walking around, man, we're just praying, Jesus, let students see you here, let them come to life here, let them experience power in the name of Jesus, and, and we're just praying all those things. And then we go into one building, we go into a dorm building for men, and as we climb the stairs and we go in the door, I gotta tell you, it was one of the only few times in my life where I sensed the presence of darkness like I've never sensed before. And I, I mean, at this point, I'm a pastor, you know, and we all know pastors have it all together and all figured out. And so I step in and immediately it was like, whoa, ah, unclean spirit, unclean place. I don't know what's happening here. This is, this is not for me. And very gracefully, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it outside. I'll, I'll catch up with you later. And so I went outside. It was just uneasy. I got, I'll, I'll admit to you, the fear rose up in me. The sense of that. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've watched, walked into buildings and situations and circumstances where the, the presence of darkness was so pervasive that you were put with a choice, what do I do? And so I bailed, peace out, I was outside. So I'm outside and I'm waiting for my friend, he comes back out and he says, hey man, where'd you go? And I was like, man, I was just sensing there was a lot of darkness in there, I didn't know what to do. And he said, oh yeah, so in this building, this is where all the guys will gather in the basement of the building and this is where they do their ritual sacrifice. 
There are just times where in your coming and going and daily dealings of life, it may not be that intense. You just may be going over to a family member's house. You just may be walking through the halls of your school, but you are gonna come face to face with evil and we have a choice. What do we do? Do we step up in the authority that Jesus has given us or do we step away? Do we step away? And so I'm so glad that Jesus stepped in because where we go, we will meet people who are living under incredible strongholds of the enemy. They're living under inc- incredible oppression or possession to a certain degree. And God is gonna use us to bring freedom to them. I mean, look at this again. Uh, look at this text again. We encounter this guy here, and there's all kinds of demonic activity that's happening in his life. And you say, well, how do we know that this is demonic outside of the story telling us? Very often what will happen with demonic activity is what we see in this text. This man is isolated and separated. He's off all by himself and we find himself hurting his body. He's mutilating his body and he's struggling with sickness, disease, and death. It's a fact that a third of the encounters of Jesus in the New Testament as it relates to sickness, disease, and death is related to the demonic. At least a third of the situations in the New Testament of sickness, disease, and death are related to the demonic. And you're saying, oh, Pastor P, does that mean it's all related? No, no, not necessarily. We live in a fallen world, and I mean, it'll all be brought to perfection at some point. But the reality is there may be times where sickness, disease, and death that is taking place as a result of demonic activity and strongholds that are taking place. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom in that moment as to what to do with that and how to handle that. And this guy, this is obviously what he's living with because his family has rejected him. Where is he living? He's not living at home. He's not living in the garage because every time they've tried to shackle him to the garage wall, he just breaks through those chains. Every time they try to help him, he winds up hurting them. And now he's hurting his own body. And this is another thing that we see with demonic activity is body harm. See, look, Satan only comes to do one of these three things, right? Steal, kill, destroy. And and this is what's happening in this text. In fact, it's not just happening in the text, it's happening now because it's a reality on the rise is this idea of body mutilation. We just call it transgenderism. Or there's body mutilation because there are students who are living with with, uh, an unbelievable amount of stress and weight that's put on them by our culture that they're cutting themselves and they're hurting themselves. I'm just saying there's freedom. There's freedom from that. There's freedom, there's power in the name of Jesus. Listen, you need Jesus to show up in a powerful way. And I'm not trying to trivialize what you've gone through. I'm just trying to say that Jesus understands, that Jesus has showed up in these situations before and he'll show up again. He's done it before and he'll do it again. And I just think about his family. Man, we've done everything we can for you. We have, we have uh, chained you. We've shackled you. We've given you vitamin C in the morning. We've rubbed essential oils on the temples of your head. We have done everything we can. And nothing we've done is strong enough. And listen, when you get to that place in your life where you're saying, everything I've done is just like not strong enough, this is a great place to say, oh, what was I missing? How did I not see this before? Why didn't I do this sooner? Jesus, show up here and bring freedom right now. That's a great place to call on the name of Jesus. To call on the name of Jesus. So what's needed? We need Jesus. So I really want to push us to this because this is kind of a theme that the Holy Spirit's been working out this morning. Reject all fear. Reject all fear. Fear is not of the Lord. 
God has given us righteousness, peace, and a sound mind. This is the spirit of love that God has given us. And so this fear rises up, and there's natural fears and natural fleshly tendencies towards fear for survival's sake, but I'm talking about uncommon fear, ungodly fear, fear of the enemy, fear of the demonic of what might happen. Just reject those fears, because sometimes we tend to overinflate the work of the enemy and underestimate the work of the cross. It said our 23rd president, Benjamin Harrison, and his wife, as they're living in the White House, there was this newfangled technology that was installed and it, it created an incredible amount of fear in their life that they didn't want anything to do with it. They tried to stay as far away from it as they could. That newfangled technology is, is electricity. But the electricity scared them so much, they're like, I don't know if I wanna go over there and touch that, that light switch, I, it might shock me, I don't know, it's a fear of an unknown power. And so I'm gonna stay away from it. And it said that there were times that if nobody else was working in the White House late at night, that they would be so fearful to turn off the lights that they would sleep at night with all the lights on. When we come into contact with power that's near us, do we step up and say, no, I have authority over this, or am I gonna be afraid of the power that's in front of me? And so they gave in to fear. And so we should not give in to fear. In fact, we should reject all fear. Power is there, but fear can also be there. Let me just remind you of 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the apostle John getting to the end of his life, and he's trying to remind us of the authority that we have in Jesus, and he says this, but you belong to God. Amen. All right, stop right there. Somebody just needs to hear this. You belong to God. That is a starting point for prayer if I ever heard one. That is a starting point for worship if I ever heard one. You belong to God. When you walk in here today, you're walking into worship, you're like, I am a child of God. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. You have already won a victory in this sense because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. We live in a resurrected reality on this side of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, on this side of Pentecost where the spirit of God is living in us. And if this same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you, what would the Lord not wanna do? What would the Lord not wanna do? There's power, don't be afraid. So then, Jesus shows up. Now Jesus is gonna speak up. This is so wild. Jesus speaks up. Mark chapter five, verse seven through 13, if you're following along in the text, says this, with a shriek, this is the man in front of Jesus, he screams, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. This is the demon speaking through the man, and Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of that man, you evil spirit. Verse nine, and then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside of this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant, distant place. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. And so Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. What a weird situation if you are just out walking your dog and you see this. <laughs> like, you're just like, what in the world? First of all, there's a boat that shows up and this guy gets out and this naked crazy man is wild and yelling and coming and throwing himself at the feet of Jesus. And now we see this loud shrieking and sounds and now these pigs are going, what in the world is going on here? 
Listen, let's just talk about the demon's reaction to Jesus here for just a moment. The demons know who Jesus is. The demons know the authority Jesus has. The demons know that their time is up. All right, let's just be straight up. Matthew chapter eight, as Matthew is telling the same story, the demons say, is this the time? Now, now is the appointed time that you're gonna destroy us? I mean, I know we're gonna be destroyed. Like there's so much denial happening in the camp of the enemy right now. There's so much denial of the power that they have. And they, they hear Jesus coming up and they say, is this the time you're gonna destroy us? Is this the moment? Because we know that our time is limited. We don't want this to be over. We're having a great party over here. Look, there's knowledge of Jesus, but there's no devotion to Jesus. I know that's not true of our culture now, where there's knowledge of Jesus. Oh, we know a lot of interesting facts about Jesus. We know this thing about Jesus. We know like Christmas is Jesus, and we know like Easter is Jesus, and and we have all these things. We have all this little bits of knowledge of Jesus and the things he's done, the, the, the words that he said, but we have all this knowledge of Jesus, no devotion to Jesus. Look, if you're looking for a flip to switch in your life, shift your life from knowledge of the Lord to devotion to the Lord. And I guarantee you the presence of God will be more powerful in your life than you could ever imagine. Just, Just flip that switch. Don't, don't, live, don't live in the same reality of the demons who say like, we have knowledge of who you are, but we have no devotion to who you are. We're not gonna live there. And so they begin to beg Jesus. This is so crazy. They begin to beg Jesus. You only beg of someone who has the ability to give you what, uh, what you're asking for, the ability to grant the request. And so they beg Jesus, look, we're in here, we're partying, there's a legion of us, there's a lot of us, there's one of you, good luck, take your time, this is gonna be a while, make yourself comfortable. But hey, as you send us out, like don't send us out into hell, don't send us back to, to where we came from, don't send us out into nothingness, we wanna have something to do. Apparently demons get bored, and so like, and they must get bored, because all they do is bother us, and we're like, oh, go away already, you know? And so they're like, don't send us to hell, and don't send us back to nothingness. We want to have something to do. And so they ask Jesus permission, can we just go into the pigs? I mean, it's better to live in in pigs than in nothingness. And Jesus grants the request. Jesus gives them permission to leave the man and go into the pigs. What a crazy story. It's better to live in the pigs than to live in nothingness with no purpose. And now it really does beg the question, can demons live in animals? And the answer is yes. How else do you explain cats? (laughs) Like, look, I have read this from cover to cover. I, I mean, somewhere behind the maps here, thou shalt not own a cat. Okay, so look, don't, don't take it up. Just talk to the Lord. He'll give you a confirmation through his word. So like, (laughs) please, please don't send me an email. Um, can, can they live in animals? I don't know. Some people think they can live in toasters. You know, I just like it's a crazy world we live in. But they say, don't send us to hell and don't send us into nothingness. At least let us live in the pigs. And it's amazing because now this guy is free. This is the moment of his freedom. Do you remember the moment of your freedom? Oh, there's testimonies happening right now. Uh, if you remember that moment of your freedom, I and mean, it's kind of an amazing thing. And so here in this moment, he's now free. In the first century world of Jesus, exorcism was a job. I mean, like plumber and electrician and mechanic and just any other job you can think of. There was people who made money being exorcists. 
Now, what they would typically do is you would call on them, you would pay them a high fee, they would show up at your home, they would say, who's the afflicted? They would point you out. They would go into that person's room or in that space, wherever they were, and they would, they would light candles and they would begin to recite chants and there would be rituals and chants and, and burning of animals and herbs. There would be musty smells and magic spells and, and they'd be dancing around and throwing things in the air and it might be a day long, it might be multiple days long. The longer they stayed, the more you paid, okay? So they'd be like, there's no incentive to get this demon out quick. I would say that that was probably a work of the enemy just to fund the kingdom of darkness. So all of this ritual would take place and, 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 and they're dancing around and shouting and hooping and hollering and they would repeat these incantations over and over and over and over and over again. And I would just caution us not to give into rituals and, and, and rules as it relates to working with the realm of the demonic. I mean, we get to lean into our relationship with Jesus, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. But Jesus does something uniquely different. Jesus does something uniquely different than any other demon exorcist in his age. Jesus simply speaks a word. Jesus doesn't throw things in the air. He doesn't dance around. He doesn't hoop and holler. Jesus simply speaks. What makes Jesus uniquely different than anybody else is because everywhere else you go to look for freedom, you will never find freedom and completion apart from what Jesus has to offer you. And so Jesus steps in and he speaks and now the demons leave. Oh man. Forgive me for this being a little edgy, but I'm just going to throw it out there. When Jesus speaks up, demons shut up. When Jesus speaks up, demons shut up. And now we, with the power and the authority of Jesus, adopted in the family of God with the rights, benefits, and privileges that come with that, we carry Jesus. Jesus will use us. And when Jesus speaks, demons shut up. When Jesus speaks up, demons shut up. Some of you today, man, you're just barely hanging on. There's some kind of frustration in your life Something life-controlling could be an addiction, it could be a pain, it could be a problem, and, and for whatever reason, you've tried to do what the family members of this guy have tried to do for so long. You've tried, to, you've tried to medicate it and work with it and counsel it and all kinds of things, but the one thing you really need is the one thing that you maybe haven't looked to before. You need a word from the mouth of God. You need a word from Jesus over your life and over your situation. Why? Because with a word, things change. Remember, Jesus changed everything. With a word from the mouth of God, with a word from the mouth of Jesus, he created everything. With a word from the mouth of Jesus, he confronted the religious. He commanded the dead to rise. He crushed his enemies. He cured sicknesses. He canceled sin. He cleansed the lepers. He cast out demons. He comforted the sad, and he cares for you. You need a word from Jesus. You need a word from Jesus. With a word, Jesus simply speaks quite unlike anything else or anybody else around them. Jesus makes it so simple. Why? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Get a word from Jesus today. Get a word from Jesus. So Jesus' name is powerful, but it's not a magic formula. I think sometimes we can kind of slip into this in, in church world, and I think we do it with the best of intentions, but we, we tend to think the uh, d syllables alone 
is power. The power in the name of Jesus resides really in our relationship with Jesus. It it resides in that. Yes, there's power in the name of Jesus. We sing about this all the time, that there is power in the name of Jesus, but it's not just the utterance of symbols, uh, syllables and symbols. It's the utterance of what that signifies is that we are connected in relationship with God himself, and based on that relationship, we're able to do the things that he's asked us to do. So our authority exists in relation. So let me just encourage you, don't use rituals with rules. Don't use rituals with rules. Use your relationship with the Redeemer. Use your relationship with the Redeemer. That's why we can sing that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. That's why we can say, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Jesus, his name in that time period would have been a common name, but now Jesus steps in, death, burial, resurrection, and now that uncommon name has become a holy name, the name above all names. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every demon has to obey the name of Jesus. Not just because it's syllables, but because it's a relationship with God himself. It's amazing what we get to step into as followers of Jesus. All right, so Jesus shows up, Jesus speaks up, and now Jesus steps up. This is where the story kind of gets a little weird. I mean, you're like, wow, it's already been weird. Yeah, it gets a little weirder. And Mark chapter 5, verses 14 through 17, this is the reaction to Jesus doing what Jesus do, okay? In Mark chapter 5, verse 14 through 17, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town. They just lost a lot of pigs. That, uh, that I read too, that was the first case of deviled ham, so... <laughs> I'll give the folks in the back a minute on that one. All right, <clears throat> where were we? All right, the, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town, the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran, and people rushed out to see what happened. Wow, this is making headlines. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were blessed to see that. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. Jesus, you do awesome things. no. They were all afraid. And those who had seen what happened told the uh, others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus. They began begging Jesus, go away and leave us alone. Go away and leave us alone. So Jesus steps up here now. And you think, wow, what an odd reaction from the crowd. What, I mean, like, wouldn't you want to see Jesus do something amazing and then celebrate what Jesus did? Okay, so this is what it would be like. You're like, man, why were they afraid? Like, Jesus is bad for business. And sometimes Jesus, when he steps in, the cost that is needed to pay to be around Jesus is deeper than perhaps we want to handle. So just imagine you're driving down I-4, and you think, I want to buy a new truck. And so you stop by Stingray Chevrolet just outside of Plant City here on I-4, a huge, massive parking lot, all these trucks, and you show up and you're kind of looking in the window of a truck, you think, yeah, I think this might be the one. And then you hear like a ruckus, you know, a ruckus over here to the side. You're like, what is that? What is that noise? And you're like, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus, yeah, I've heard of him. Wow, that's amazing. And then like there's a shriek and a scream, and you're like, wow, that was weird. And then all of a sudden, all the trucks in the parking lot just drive into a lake. Like, what in the world was that? So Jesus shows up on the scene, and all of a sudden, all of these pigs are going down into the hill. Jesus is bad for business. But I think the thing that scares me the most is the reaction of the people that cared more about the pigs than they did the man. And listen, here it arise, we value people. 
God's grace is for everyone, and it's not beyond anyone, but the reality is this, it might cost someone something great to get other people closer to Jesus. And are we willing to bear that cost? Are we willing to step in and step up? Are we willing to do as Jesus has done and not run away from the situation, but run into the situation and say, they matter more? The fear shifting from the man who is possessed now to Jesus, a shift of fear. You think like the before and after picture. I mean, we love before and after pictures in our culture. Everywhere we can find them, we're looking at them like, wow, look at the transformation of before and after. And before, this guy was cutting himself and naked and not in his right mind. And now afterward, he's sitting and he's saying and he's listening to Jesus. So what will the presence of Jesus cost you? Are you willing to go through the before and after process? Or are you gonna react like the people of this town who, who as they have seen the move of God, as they've seen Jesus do this incredible thing, are you gonna react like them and say, Jesus, go away? Because there's really two reactions to Jesus. The first reaction is like when we come in here and we worship and we say, oh, Jesus, I just want more of you. I wanna, I wanna know you. I love you, Lord. Thank you for your, your body and thank you for your blood and for your sacrifice. And God, I thank you. And then on the other side, you got people just like, Jesus, leave me alone. I want nothing to do with you. And here's the thing. Throughout this text, everybody that begged something of Jesus, he responded and he, he granted their request. The man asked Jesus for help, and Jesus helped him. The demons pleaded with him, let us go into the pigs, and they did. And now in this case, they're saying, Jesus, go away. We don't want you here. And Jesus honored that request. Jesus honored that request. In all three situations, he honored this. Look, Jesus doesn't stay where he's not welcome, accepted, and listened to. Now, I'm thankful for his grace, that his grace is greater than all of our sin, and we can still respond to the grace of God. But here's the, here's the reality. Those who want more of Jesus will get more of Jesus, and those who don't, won't. Those who want more of Jesus, God will pour it out. Like the, the scriptures say, anyone who comes near to me, in no way will I cast them out. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Like God's not gonna cast you out when you call out to him. But in this moment, when you reject him and you push him away, we're moving into Romans 1 territory where God will give you over to what you want. And you're gonna live with the reality of what this man did because see, this man didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm kinda bored today. I think, uh, let's see, I could play golf. I could binge watch that new show on Netflix. I could be demon-possessed. Yeah, why not? I'll just do that. I'll just be demon-possessed. Like, he didn't wake up one morning and, and say, uh, I'm going to go from zero to 100 today. He didn't come down with this, like, you know, you might come down with the flu. This story is a story of his constant decision to give in to the attack, work, and scheme of the enemy at work in his life to live out what the enemy wanted for him rather than what the Lord wanted for him. And now this is the end result of it. And we have that choice as well. God, I want to receive what you have for me today. Give me today my daily bread we get to have that choice so when you come face to face with evil what do you do do you step up or do you step away do you run away I mean don't do, don't do what I did don't do what I did I mean God's forgiven me and his grace is good but man I don't want to run away from that moment I want to lean in God you can use me to bring freedom Lord make me an instrument of thy peace Use me, Lord. Use me. What do we do? And you say, oh, what should we do? I, I, you know, we got to plan and prepare for every possible demonic attack and situation. Listen, just relax. You stay in God's word. You stay in prayer. You trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you what you need when you need it. Yes. 
what you need when you need it. In fact, Jesus even promised this just before he goes to the cross. He promises his disciples. He's like, look, you're going to be put in places and situations where you're not going to know what to say and what to do, but the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. And this is the situation for us as well. See, we've heard this, we've grown up in church with this idea that God has a plan for your life, and we believe that, we fully embrace that, we affirm that God has a, a plan for your life. But make no mistake, the enemy has a plan for your life as well. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't involve calling out to Jesus for help like this man did. In fact, I like what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 5, verse 11, but it should be up there, is that we don't want Satan to outsmart us. We're familiar with his evil schemes. We're familiar with his evil schemes. Look, our... Do you, uh, do you recognize not only that demons exist, but that perhaps potentially as a follower of Jesus, you have a target on your back because of your devotion to God. And there are gonna be times and situations where you're gonna recognize the pattern of the enemy at work in your life to take you out. And if you can recognize that, you can stand against that. You can fight against that and recognize, look, you're not gonna outsmart me. Not today, Satan. You're not gonna outsmart me on this. I've already done that. I've already been there. That's under the blood of Jesus. That's gone. Like, that's not held against me anymore. You can't hold that against me. Jesus doesn't, so why are you? So there is a scheme of the enemy. We're gonna be familiar with his schemes. But you ask the question, like, Pastor Pete, how do I know if it's a demon or just like a work of this world or of the flesh? Like, how can I tell the difference? I'm so glad that you asked that question. I'm so glad. All right, so here it is. How do I know if it's uh, an attack of the enemy? And, And here's really how you can work this out. Does the behavior or situation that you find yourself in, in school, with your family, when you step on the job site, you know there's a noticeable difference outside of the norm, and it's not good, okay? It's an absence of peace. Any absence of peace does not welcome the Prince of Peace. But now you're there, so what do we do? Does the behavior or situation, does it steal, kill, divide, destroy, accuse, confuse, or abuse? Uh, especially in here, does it steal, kill? We all know that, steal, kill, destroy. That's the only thing he can do. But out of that, is it also bringing division in the body? We need to recognize that. There's power in unity. Does it destroy the body? Does it accuse the body? Look, Satan is the accuser of the church. Does it confuse us or abuse us? Those potentially are all works of the enemy but no longer, because Jesus showed up, because Jesus then speaks up, because then Jesus steps up, and now lastly, last and final thought is Jesus sets up. Jesus sets up, and Mark chapter five, verse 18 through 20, now this is so crazy because all through this text, everyone who begs something of Jesus, Jesus granted. This is now gonna be the time where something is asked of Jesus, and he did not grant the request. Look at this, as Jesus is getting into the boat, get out of here, Jesus, we don't want anything to do with you. Jesus is honoring that request. As he's getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with them, please take me with you. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed at what he told them. You have this encounter with Jesus. Jesus has stepped in. He's done something remarkable in your life. He's done something remarkable in your family, in your marriage, in your home, in your kids. He stepped up and you're like, wow, Jesus, I'm all in, man. Wherever you go, I want to go. And that's what it means to be a disciple. Wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. And this man is saying, Jesus, wow, this is amazing. I'm totally different now than who I once was. And can you just say amen to that, that that's your story as well. I am not who I once was. I am going this way. I'm growing from glory to glory, not setback to setback. 
And he's like, I'm not who I once was. Jesus, take me with you, please. Let me just get in the boat. There's room for more. And Jesus says, not now. Jesus is very strategic in this moment. And he says, no, 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 go back to your family. Go back and tell them how, uh, how, how merciful uh, the Lord has been to you today. Can you just imagine for a moment, you're his brother. You're his sister. All those years, perhaps, of struggling, of torment, of of hurt that you've received because of his affliction as well. All the side effects of that, all the pain in your family, the missed opportunities. And one day you're just sitting at home and you're sitting on your couch and you're eating potato chips off of your shirt because it's a shirt plate and you're just chilling and you're binge watching and then all of a sudden you hear. All right, wow, I wonder who that could be. And you get up and you go to the door, you open the door and it's Bob. You're like, Brother Bob, my brother. Is that you, Bob? Wow, Bob. Wow, what happened to you? And he's like, wow, I just got to tell you. I just met this guy named Jesus. What a testimony that would be to the family if they saw the living fruit of the work of God in your life. Well, Bob, the last time we saw you, you were naked. You're not naked now? That's a good start, okay? And so like, man, and Bob, last time you were cutting yourself and he's like, no, that stuff is over. That stuff is gone. Bob, you're in your right mind. Yes, Jesus showed up that while I was lost in my sin. Man, and thank you for trying to help me. I see your heart. I see all the medication. I see all the counselors. I see everything you've tried. And again, we're not saying those things are bad, but what I really needed, I needed a moment in the presence of Jesus for Jesus to speak in a word into my life and change absolutely everything from there. And they say, wow, Bob, tell me more about this Jesus. Well, I wanted to go with him, but he told me to come find you. Would that not make an impact in his family? Would that not make a difference in this moment? And he sends him back and he says, go back to your family. See, what Satan removes, Jesus restores. Satan removed him from his family, removed him from health, removed him from a right mind. Jesus brought him back to his family, back to health and back to a right mind. Jesus is restoring today. What Satan has removed from you, Jesus is restoring to you today. Go back to your home. Wow, you're wearing clothes. That's a good start. Awesome. Okay. Then he says, he says, man, go and tell them of the mercy of God. Oh, friends. If we do nothing else with Jesus, can we just praise him for his mercy? his mercy. Listen, you and I today, we're standing here today, or you're sitting there today, and we're sitting here today, and we are, we are sitting here in the presence of God as objects of God's mercy because of the sin weight that hung over our heads that we couldn't cancel ourselves. Jesus steps in, and in his love and kindness and his mercy says, let me take that, and he goes to a cross, and he removes it as far as the east is from the west, and it's now gone, and it's not held against you, and Satan can't speak a word against you because Jesus has spoken a greater word. And I'm an object of God's mercy. He was merciful on me. The reason I'm sucking air right now is the mercy of God. The reason I have any blessing in my life is the mercy of God. He's so good to me. He's so incredibly good to me. Why would I not lift my voice and worship him? Why would I not call on him? Why would I, why would I save, save Jesus as my last resort rather than my first response when I say, Jesus, you're the merciful one. Jesus, be merciful. And some of you just need to cry out to God. You've been carrying it too long. You've been trying to do it yourself. And I see your effort and you're strong, but you're not sin strong. You're not that deep pain strong. And you're gonna call out to Jesus. I just believe the testimonies are gonna roll in.
of the mercy of Jesus. He says, go back to your family. And this man, Bob, we'll call him Bob, the story of his life is like the talk of the town. Did you see Bob? Man, I saw Bob. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, he was wearing clothes. I know, good start. And like he wasn't hurting himself. I know, that's amazing. And he's, man, all he's talking about is this Jesus. Listen, Bob didn't have a seminary degree. He didn't go to Bible college. He didn't sit through like a year's worth of services. And then Jesus is like, thou art sanctioned, go. Jesus said, okay, you've had an experience with me. Take your story and go. And this guy, it says, it says he... He goes to the 10 towns in that area and begins to proclaim. This guy is the first missionary for Jesus. The first missionary for Jesus. And what is he armed with? He's armed with the presence of God and the power of his testimony. And listen, your story is the seedbed of a revival of what God wants to do in your family and your city. And he uses this guy. I mean, he's amazing. But Jesus left. Jesus got into a boat. Jesus is gone. I'm thankful we're on this side of Pentecost and Jesus is here, but just suppose for a moment that you walk into a situation where you're tempted with fear. You know there's darkness there. You know it. Come on, friends. You know what I'm talking about. You step in. You know there's darkness there. So I got to ask you the quintessential Ghostbuster question. When there's something strange in the neighborhood, who are you going to call? That's the right answer. You don't call Ghostbusters. You call on Jesus, the name above all names. Uh, your friend who sticks closer than a brother, your savior, your God, whose presence is with you today. Listen, you don't gotta call on Ghostbusters. In fact, let me just say it to you this way. Don't outsource what Jesus has given you the authority to live out. Don't outsource that junk. You own that junk. And you stand up to that and you say, in the authority of Jesus, I command. That's got to go. I'm done with that. Look, you don't got to get all into the names of whatever demons. Don't waste your time. Just say, you are not welcome here. Only Jesus. Go and don't come back. Like, let's not overcomplicate it, friends. Let's just step in with the authority of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, thank you, Lord. What Satan has removed, Jesus has restored. We got to know the game plan of the enemy. We got to know that confusion, torment, doubt, and, and, and potentially the pain and the struggle that you're experiencing may be coming from an attack of Jesus. I believe Jesus wants to set you free. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing it to all your social platforms? If you were moved by this message and you would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myrisechurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged and inspired. We'll see you next time.